Welcome to the Robert J. Morgan Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you believe and cherish the Bible, and to learn and love Christian history and hymnody. I'm producer Joshua Rowe, introducing your host, Robert J. Morgan. Rob has written dozens of books with titles like The Red Sea Rules, 100 Bible Verses Everyone Should Know by Heart, and Then Sings My Soul. His newest book, 100 Bible Verses That Made America, is a biblical tour through American history and has just been released. Visit robertjmorgan.com for more details and for free downloads related to this resource, or order from your favorite online retailer. Now here's your host, Robert J. Morgan. Fear, hysteria, true danger, an invisible enemy, a global war, and a personal threat. All these are the feelings and realities we're dealing with during the worldwide pandemic and the apocalyptic meltdown of our economy. And there's more even than that, because from this point on, every one of us is going to have a sort of post-traumatic reaction and a nagging fear of the next potential pandemic. Imagine an entire world suffering PTSD. This will certainly affect us all in ways we didn't even know, and for generations to come if the Lord doesn't return first. The potential for pandemics is woven into history, and it's here to stay as long as this old earth endures. But a tiny virus is no match for an infinite God, and the Bible teaches us that we should not walk through life with a fretful or fearing heart. I'm in a series of podcasts called, What's Bothering You? And, well, let me remind you of the thesis. Suppose the Divine Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down to surround you. I mean, after all, their presence does surround you and me. So just take a moment and visualize it. What if they said, what's bothering you? And what if they gave you a three-by-five card and told you to write down the problem that was weighing heavily upon your mind? Suppose you wrote it down and handed it back. What would they say and how would they respond? Well, we already know the answer to that question. Almighty God, the Father, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of Israel, spoke in Psalm 37, and he said, Do not fret. As we've read and studied Psalm 37, I'll tell you, I have fallen in love with those words, and I've devoted the first five episodes of this podcast series to Psalm 37, verses 1 through 8. I encourage you to go back and read those verses and let them replay again and again in your mind. Do not fret. Do not fret. Do not fret. He tells us three times. Now today, let's press on to see what God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, would say. And here again, we know Jesus spoke often about worry and fear and anxiety, but his classic treatment of that subject is a paragraph in the middle of his Sermon on the Mount. Now, if you're riding your bicycle, good for you. You can read this passage for yourself later after you get back home. But if you're at home now and you can actually open your Bible and study along with me, then turn to the first gospel, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25. Matthew 6 25, and look at these words. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Now, let's go back to our visualization. 
The members of the Trinity are surrounding you there. They're looking at your 3 by 5 card. They're considering your deep burden and your pressing concern. And God the Father looks at you and he says, do not fret. And now God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, looks at you and he says, do not worry about your life. I always want to teach the Bible contextually. And that requires a little bit of background. The Gospel of Matthew, where this verse is found, is the first book of the New Testament and the first of our four Gospels. Matthew was especially captivated by the sermons of Jesus, and his entire book, his Gospel, is based around five great sermons that Jesus preached on various aspects of the kingdom of heaven. This is the first sermon. We call it the Sermon on the Mount, and it is the most famous sermon in human history. There's no question about that. Matthew 5 begins, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying... And with that begins the Lord's inaugural address the first recorded sermon in the first gospel, and the greatest sermon ever heard. The subject of this sermon has to do with righteousness, the righteous characteristics required in the citizens of the kingdom of God. Righteousness. And I believe that Jesus preached this sermon for three reasons. First, to articulate the kind of true righteousness God requires in the subjects of his kingdom, his citizens. In this sermon, Jesus defines a truly righteous life. The Pharisees had it all wrong. The Pharisees said, this is righteousness, this is righteousness. But in all of these passages, in these three chapters, Jesus says the Pharisees are wrong. And he describes in spiritual and in practical terms, what genuine, God-blessed righteousness really looks like. Second, in doing so, Jesus also presents a picture in advance of the kind of righteous life that he is about to live before the world. He's giving us a verbal description of the true and perfect holiness that he is going to personify for the next three years. As a sacrifice for sin, Jesus had to be sinless, pure, perfect, and truly righteous. But how would we know that? What measurement can we use for righteousness? Well, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Lord describes what the truly righteous life looks like. And in the remaining chapters of this gospel, chapters 8 through 28, he is going to demonstrate what he has just described verbally and live out the righteous life. Third, I believe Jesus gave us this Sermon on the Mount to give us a description of the kind of righteousness the Holy Spirit wants to begin producing in us as we are washed in the blood of Christ and brought into his kingdom. At the moment of our salvation, the Holy Spirit rushes into our hearts and begins to renovate them. And his goal is to produce within us the righteous life of Jesus Christ as described in these chapters. So to me, this sums up the Sermon on the Mount, what it's all about, and why it is given, especially why it's given here at the beginning of our Lord's ministry. What a sermon it is. Now, with all of that as background, let's turn to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9 and drop into the middle of the message. Jesus said, 
Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Throughout this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus used hyperbole, and we have to interpret what he is saying carefully. I don't believe he is forbidding us from having reasonable savings account and retirement provisions, but he is telling us, and this speaks to me, that we splurge too much of our resources on ourselves and not enough on his kingdom. We should be investing our lives and our money and our talents and our treasures on things that will outlive us and make a difference in eternity. He said in verse 24, you cannot serve both God and money. And that brings us to our passage for today, Matthew 6, 25 through 24, one of the most comforting, beautiful, insightful passages in the gospel, and it deals with what's bothering you. Jesus says here that if we put God first and not money, the Lord will provide for all of our needs. So this is the passage, and if you have your Bibles open, follow along as I read it, Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, I've studied this passage over and over again and for many years, and I'm convinced we can break it all down into one simple truth. Jesus didn't worry and neither should you. And if we follow further the progression of our Lord's words, we find that he wasn't just composing a nice recitation. There is a sequence of logic to his thoughts, and I think he clearly articulates here seven reasons why worry is off-limits for the citizens of his kingdom. So let's begin by looking at the first principle here in Matthew 6.27. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Now let the power of those six words sink into your mind. Do not worry about your life. Imagine building a house and engraving those words on every door lintel. 
Imagine every time you went from room to room in your house, that attitude pervaded your mind. Every time you went out of your home and into the world, that attitude protected your heart. Every time you came home from a hard day at work or school, you see those words and you remind yourselves of them. Jesus said, do not worry about your life. Imagine framing those six words and hanging them on the walls of every room of your house, your living room, your bedroom, your kitchen, your workspace. Imagine a plaque on the dashboard of your car. Do not worry about your life. If you learn those six words, you can say them over and over again with scriptural authority. God the Son, Jesus Christ, says do not worry about your life. Let me give you an A, a B, and a C about it. The A stands for all-inclusive. The statement, do not worry about your life, covers every area of life. It covers everything. This is an expansive command and as vast as the entire universe and as broad as all of the power of God. It includes everything and every day. It includes everyone along the way. Now, as we go further into the passage, we'll see that Jesus is particularly telling us not to worry about the material provisions of life. He's going to narrow it down a bit. But I don't believe we have to limit his words to that application alone. He just begins here with this blanket statement, do not worry about your life. The B stands for based. This commandment is based on Jesus being the master of our lives. We can't just pretend that verse 25 is floating in the air. It's connected to verse 24, where Jesus said that we cannot serve two masters. We cannot serve both God and money. We have to serve God alone. We have to serve him first and foremost. Jesus Christ must be the Lord and the master of our lives. Is he the Lord and master of your life? If you have any other master in your life, the Lord's teachings about worry are an operative for you. You should worry about your life. You should worry about everything. But if he is the master and the Lord, or if he, as he puts it at the end of the chapter, if your first priority is his kingdom and his righteousness, then believe me, these words are totally yours. And the C stands for commandment. Jesus said, you shall not worry about your life. I mean, that is stated in the form of a commandment. The same God who said, you shall not commit murder and you shall not steal, also said, you shall not worry about your life. Now, as I say, Jesus is going to narrow this down and apply it to our daily concerns for the basic necessities of life, what we eat and drink and wear. Remember that Jesus is speaking on this immediate occasion to the impoverished people of Galilee. He is speaking to 12 disciples who have just left their livelihood and their incomes to follow him. So he makes a specific application in this passage, but he is also speaking to us, just as if we had been sitting in front of him on that day on that mountainside in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He said, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. The twelve disciples had left everything to follow the rabbi of Nazareth. They had left their nets and their tax booths and their incomes. No money was coming into their family coffers. They had left everything to seek God's kingdom first, and maybe their children. And their wives and their parents were saying, 
What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? We all worry about those things. Young families now are struggling to pay their bills, and older adults worry about their fixed incomes. And no matter how old we are or how rich we become, we always worry if we will have enough to live our lives. So many times, even when I'm trying to trust the Lord, I wonder, will I have enough money to make it to the end of life, or will I outlive my money and be destitute? These are things that we all worry about. But Jesus said, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your lives, what you will eat, or about your bodies, what you will drink. And now I think we come to the first great reason why we shouldn't worry. The first great principle here, look at it in verse 25. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? I said there are seven reasons in this passage why we shouldn't worry. This is the first one, and when you see it, it makes perfect sense. Jesus saw something here about life, and he saw it so clearly, and he stated it so simply that once we see it, we wonder how we could ever have missed it. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Now, let's turn that from a question into a statement. Jesus said, do not worry about your life. Your life is more than food and clothing. You were made for more than that. Food and clothing are incidentals in life. Life is worth so much more than hamburgers and t-shirts. The Lord is saying that we shouldn't worry because life is more than the things that we worry about. It's more than food and clothes. It's more than the physical trappings that come and go. It's more than the material things around us. It's more than the visible and temporary and fleeting things. The first approach to overcoming worry and anxiety is to realize that life, our abundant life in Jesus Christ, is much more than the accumulation of the things that we worry about. Sometimes we become so preoccupied with our worries that we can't see anything else and we go through life missing it. I'll tell you what worry and anxiety feel like to me. It feels like a balloon inflating inside of my brain or my chest that squeezes out every other single thought. When I begin worrying or I have a panic attack, I become obsessed with it. I don't know what it is that's worrying you today. We all deal with very serious issues, but life is more than whatever it is that you are worried about. Life is more than the accumulation of the things that give us anxiety. Life is full of blessings, and our blessings are far greater than our burdens. For about a year now, my favorite hymn has been the great German anthem, Now Think We All Our God. It was written by Pastor Martin Rinkart during the Thirty Years' War in Germany. The people of his village had endured great sufferings, and many funerals had taken place, and there had been hunger and pestilence. The plague had swept through, very much like we are experiencing today. It was a time of pandemic, but without our modern means for dealing with it. But Pastor Rinkart wanted his church to realize 
that life is more than the things that we are worried about. And so in the middle of all of the turmoil and fear, he wrote one of the greatest songs of thanksgiving the church has ever heard. And for some time now, it's been my favorite hymn. I go to it again and again. I'll not sing it for you, but the words say, at least I'll give you a couple of stanzas here of the words. Now think we all our God with hearts and hands and voices, who wondrous things hath done, and whom his world rejoices, who from our mother's arms has blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love, and still is ours today. O may this bounteous God through all our life be near us, with ever joyful hearts and blessed peace to cheer us to keep us in his grace and guide us when perplexed and free us from all ills in this world and the next. You and I may have things to worry about here and there, but most of our lives are filled with blessings and we should be thankful for them. And even our burdens are allowed by the Lord to produce in us the quality of perseverance, and they will eventually work out for our good. Life is more than the things that we worry about. Look around and see all of your blessings. Look at the sunshine and the soft raindrops. Look at your friends who care for you. Look at the air and the water that God provides. Look at the experiences and adventures that you have had, and there are more to come. Jesus gives us an abundant life. The Bible says he has given us all things richly to enjoy. Your life is more than the things of this world, more than what you eat and drink, more than the things you worry about. In Christ, our lives are blessed now, and they are eternal with heaven ahead of us. Life is more than the handful of deficiencies and discouragements that we sometimes face. Jesus said a similar word in Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. Jesus is trying to change our perspective. We're often focused on the material accruements of life, but he was telling us that life is so much more than those things. Life is more than what we worry about. We should focus our thoughts on our blessings. For life is more than food, and the body more than raiment. Let me close with this illustration. My father, John I. Morgan, battled heart disease. He lived on a mountainside, and he loved to hike up into the hills and the hollows looking for springs, which he would connect to the reservoir. That was his hobby. When I was in college, I would often hike with him and watch him work. I would help him some. But I lived in constant fear of his having a heart attack. I was haunted by that. And in fact, that's one of the reasons I hiked up the hill with him. I thought to myself, what if he has a heart attack somewhere up on this rugged mountain? We might never find him in time. And truthfully, I was so worried that I didn't enjoy the hikes. I kept thinking, what will I do if he kills over? Well, my dad did eventually pass away from injuries sustained in a truck wreck, which may or may not have been related to his heart. But now looking back over the years... I wish I had simply trusted his heart to the Lord and enjoyed hiking up that hill with my dad. There are some things I don't know about my dad. Why he decided to go to college when so few people up in the mountains did. What his brief time of army service was like at Fort Eustis. 
Did he have any girlfriends before he met my mom? And he had a lot of wisdom about life and about, well, he knew a lot about those mountains and the plants and the rocks and the terrain of it all. And so much that I could have remembered and learned and written down and had for my children and grandchildren. But I was so distracted by my anxiety that I didn't enjoy the trips. If we aren't careful, we're going to worry our way through life and not enjoy the trip. Jesus said, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will wear. Is not life more than those things? And I think his lesson was, I'll paraphrase it like this, if you worry too much about every deficiency and discouragement, if you worry about all of the material things in life, if you're obsessed about all the things that can go wrong, if you're afraid that you may not have enough at some point, you're going to miss the life that God wants you to have. He wants to give you a life that's more than abundant. And if we obsess over the minor things of life, we'll miss the major blessings that God wants us to enjoy. Why do you worry about your life? What you will eat? What you will drink? What you will wear? Life is so much more than those things. So remember, Jesus didn't worry, and neither should you. This episode was produced by Joshua Rowe and Clearly Media, edited by Elijah Rowe, music by Jordan Davis. For more information and resources, visit my website at robertjmorgan.com. I'd like to ask you to share this with some other people, and it's even possible for you to have a small group that listens to these podcasts every week and then discusses them and studies the scripture more thoroughly. You can find more information about these series of podcasts by visiting my website, robertjmorgan.com slash podcast. This is Robert J. Morgan. Thank you for listening.